Section sixty one of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book nine, chapter eight. The evidence of the witnesses. The babe. The examination of the witnesses began, but we will not continue our story in such detail as before, and so we will not dwell on how Nikolai Parfenovitch impressed on every witness called that he must give his evidence in accordance with truth and conscience, and that he would afterwards have to repeat his evidence on oath, how every witness was called upon to sign the protocol of his evidence, and so on we will only note that the point principally insisted upon in the examination was the question of the three thousand roubles that is was the sum spent here at macro by mitya on the first occasion a month before three thousand or fifteen hundred and again had he spent three thousand or fifteen hundred yesterday alas all the evidence given by everyone turned out to be against mitya there was not one in his favor and some witnesses introduced new almost crushing facts in contradiction of his mitch's story the first witness examined was trifon borisovitch he was not in the least abashed as he stood before the lawyers he had on the contrary an air of stern and severe indignation with the accused which gave him an appearance of truthfulness and personal dignity he spoke little and with reserve waited to be questioned answered precisely and deliberately firmly and unhesitatingly he bore witness that the sum spent a month before could not have been less than three thousand that all the peasants about here would testify that they had heard the sum of three thousand mentioned by dmitri fyodorovitch himself what a lot of money he flung away on the gypsy girls alone he wasted a thousand i dare say on them alone i don't believe i gave them five hundred was mitch's gloomy comment on this it's a pity i didn't count the money at the time but i was drunk mitchell was sitting sideways with his back to the curtains he listened gloomily with a melancholy and exhausted air as though he would say oh say what you like it makes no difference now more than a thousand went on them dmitri fyodorovitch retorted trifon borisovitch firmly you flung it about at random and they picked it up they were a rascally thievish lot horse-stealers they've been driven away from here or maybe they'd bear witness themselves how much they got from you i saw the sum in my hands myself count it i didn't you didn't let me that's true enough but by the look of it i should say it was far more than fifteen hundred fifteen hundred indeed we've seen money too we can judge of amounts as for the sum spent yesterday he asserted that dmitri fyodorovitch had told him as soon as he arrived that he had brought three thousand with him come now is that so trifon borisovitch replied mitya surely i didn't declare so positively that i'd brought three thousand you did say so dmitri fyodorovitch you said it before andre andre himself is still here send for him and in the hall when you were treating the chorus you shouted straight out that you would leave your sixth thousand here that is with what you spent before we must understand stepan and semyon heard it and pyotr fomitch kalganov too was standing beside you at the time 
maybe he'd remember it the evidence as to the sixth thousand made an extraordinary impression on the two lawyers they were delighted with this new mode of reckoning three and three made six three thousand then and three now made six that was clear they questioned all the peasants suggested by trifon borisovitch stepan and semyon the driver andre and kalganov the peasants and the driver unhesitatingly confirmed trifon borisovitch's evidence they noted down with particular care andre's account of the conversation he had had with mitya on the road where says he am i dmitri fyodorovitch going to heaven or to hell and shall i be forgiven in the next world or not the psychological ippolit kirillovitch heard this with a subtle smile and ended by recommending that these remarks as to where dmitri fyodorovitch would go should be included in the case kalganov when called came in reluctantly frowning and ill-humoured and he spoke to the lawyers as though he had never met them before in his life though they were acquaintances whom he had been meeting every day for a long time past he began by saying that he knew nothing about it and didn't want to but it appeared that he had heard of the sixth thousand and he admitted that he had been standing close by at the moment as far as he could see he didn't know how much money mitya had in his hands he affirmed that the poles had cheated at cards in reply to reiterated questions he stated that after the poles had been turned out mitya's position with agrafena alexandrovna had certainly improved and that she had said that she loved him he spoke of agrafena alexandrovna with reserve and respect as though she had been a lady of the best society and did not once allow himself to call her grushenka in spite of the young man's obvious repugnance at giving evidence ippolit kirillovitch examined him at great length and only from him learnt all the details of what made up mitya's romance so to say on that night mitya did not once pull kalganov up at last they let the young man go and he left the room with unconcealed indignation the poles too were examined though they had gone to bed in their room they had not slept all night and on the arrival of the police officers they hastily dressed and got ready realizing that they would certainly be sent for they gave their evidence with dignity though not without some uneasiness the little pole turned out to be a retired official of the twelfth class who had served in siberia as a veterinary surgeon his name was musilovitch pan vrublevsky turned out to be an uncertificated dentist although nikolai parfenovitch asked them questions on entering the room they both addressed their answers to mihail makarovitch who was standing on one side taking him in their ignorance for the most important person and in command and addressed him at every word as pan colonel only after several reproofs from mihail makarovitch himself they grasped that they had to address their answers to nikolai parfenovitch only it turned out that they could speak russian quite correctly except for their accent in some words of his relations with grushenka past and present pan musyalovitch spoke proudly and warmly so that mitya was roused at once and declared that he would not allow the scoundrel to speak like that in his presence 
pan musilovitch at once called attention to the word scoundrel and begged that it should be put down in the protocol mitya fumed with rage he's a scoundrel a scoundrel you can put that down and put down too that in spite of the protocol i still declare that he's a scoundrel he cried though nikolai perfenovitch did insert this in the protocol he showed the most praiseworthy tact and management after sternly reprimanding mitya he cut short all further inquiry into the romantic aspect of the case and hastened to pass to what was essential one piece of evidence given by the poles roused special interest in the lawyers that was how in that very room mitya had tried to buy off pan musilovitch and had offered him three thousand roubles to resign his claims seven hundred roubles down and the remaining two thousand three hundred to be paid next day in the town he had sworn at the time that he had not the whole sum with him at Macro, but that his money was in the town mitya observed hotly that he had not said that he would be sure to pay him the remainder next day in the town but pan vrublevsky confirmed the statement and mitya after thinking for a moment admitted frowning that it must have been as the poles stated that he had been excited at the time and might indeed have said so the prosecutor positively pounced on this piece of evidence it seemed to establish for the prosecution and they did in fact base this deduction on it that half or a part of the three thousand that had come into mitch's hands might really have been left somewhere hidden in the town or even perhaps somewhere here in Macro. this would explain the circumstance so baffling for the prosecution that only eight hundred roubles were to be found in mitch's hands this circumstance had been the one piece of evidence which insignificant as it was had hitherto told to some extent in mitch's favor now this one piece of evidence in his favor had broken down in answer to the prosecutor's inquiry where he would have got the remaining two thousand three hundred roubles since he himself had denied having more than fifteen hundred mitya confidently replied that he had meant to offer the little chap not money but a formal deed of conveyance of his rights to the village of Chermashnia, those rights which he had already offered to samsonov and madame holikoff the prosecutor positively smiled at the innocence of this subterfuge and you imagine he would have accepted such a deed as a substitute for two thousand three hundred roubles in cash he certainly would have accepted it mitya declared warmly why look here he might have grabbed not two thousand but four or six for it he would have put his lawyers poles and jews onto the job and might have got not three thousand but the whole property out of the old man the evidence of pan musilovitch was of course entered in the protocol in the fullest detail then they let the poles go the incident of the cheating at cards was hardly touched upon nikolai parfenovitch was too well pleased with them as it was and did not want to worry them with trifles moreover it was nothing but a foolish drunken quarrel over cards there had been drinking and disorder enough that night so the two hundred roubles remained in the pockets of the poles then old maximov was summoned 
he came in timidly approached with little steps looking very dishevelled and depressed he had all this time taken refuge below with grushenka sitting dumbly beside her and now and then he'd begin blubbering over her and wiping his eyes with a blue check handkerchief as mihail makarovitch described afterwards so that she herself began trying to pacify and comfort him the old man at once confessed that he had done wrong that he had borrowed ten roubles in my poverty from dmitri fyodorovitch and that he was ready to pay it back to nikolai parfenovitch's direct question had he noticed how much money dmitri fyodorovitch held in his hand as he must have been able to see the sum better than anyone when he took the note from him maximov in the most positive manner declared that there was twenty thousand have you ever seen so much as twenty thousand before then inquired nikolai parfenovitch with a smile to be sure i have not twenty but seven when my wife mortgaged my little property she'd only let me look at it from a distance boasting of it to me it was a very thick bundle all rainbow-coloured notes and dmitri fyodorovitch's were all rainbow-coloured he was not kept long at last it was grushenka's turn nikolai parfenovitch was obviously apprehensive of the effect her appearance might have on mitya and he muttered a few words of admonition to him but mitya bowed his head in silence giving him to understand that he would not make a scene mihail makarovitch himself led grushenka in she entered with a stern and gloomy face that looked almost composed and sat down quietly on the chair offered her by nikolai parfenovitch she was very pale she seemed to be cold and wrapped herself closely in her magnificent black shawl she was suffering from a slight feverish chill the first symptom of the long illness which followed that night her grave air her direct earnest look and quiet manner made a very favourable impression on every one nikolai parfenovitch was even a little bit fascinated he admitted himself when talking about it afterwards that only then had he seen how handsome the woman was for though he had seen her several times before he had always looked upon her as something of a provincial hetera she has the manners of the best society he said enthusiastically gossiping about her in a circle of ladies but this was received with positive indignation by the ladies who immediately called him a naughty man to his great satisfaction as she entered the room grushenka only glanced for an instant at mitya who looked at her uneasily but her face reassured him at once after the first inevitable inquiries and warnings nikolai parfenovitch asked her hesitating a little but preserving the most courteous manner on what terms she was with the retired lieutenant dmitri fyodorovitch karamazov to this grushenka firmly and quietly replied he was an acquaintance he came to see me as an acquaintance during the last month to further inquisitive questions she answered plainly and with complete frankness that though at times she had thought him attractive she had not loved him but had won his heart as well as his old father's in my nasty spite 
that she had seen that mitchell was very jealous of fyodor pavlovitch and every one else but that had only amused her she had never meant to go to fyodor pavlovitch she had simply been laughing at him i had no thoughts for either of them all this last month i was expecting another man who had wronged me but i think she said in conclusion that there's no need for you to inquire about that nor for me to answer you for that's my own affair nikolai parfenovitch immediately acted upon this hint he again dismissed the romantic aspect of the case and passed to the serious one that is to the question of most importance concerning the three thousand roubles grushenka confirmed the statement that three thousand roubles had certainly been spent on the first carousal at Macro, and though she had not counted the money herself she had heard that it was three thousand from dmitri fyodorovitch's own lips did he tell you that alone or before someone else or did you only hear him speak of it to others in your presence the prosecutor inquired immediately to which grushenka replied that she had heard him say so before other people and had heard him say so when they were alone did he say it to you alone once or several times inquired the prosecutor and learned that he had told grushenka so several times hippolyte kirillovitch was very well satisfied with this piece of evidence further examination elicited that grushenka knew too where that money had come from and that dmitri fyodorovitch had got it from katerina ivanovna and did you never once hear that the money spent a month ago was not three thousand but less and that dmitri fyodorovitch had saved half that sum for his own use no i never heard that answered grushenka it was explained further that mitya had on the contrary often told her that he hadn't a farthing he was always expecting to get some from his father said grushenka in conclusion did he never say before you casually or in a moment of irritation nikolai parfenovitch put in suddenly that he intended to make an attempt on his father's life ah he did say so sighed grushenka once or several times he mentioned it several times always in anger and did you believe he would do it no i never believed it she answered firmly i had faith in his noble heart gentlemen allow me cried mitya suddenly allow me to say one word to agrafena alexandrovna in your presence you can speak nikolai parfenovitch assented agrafena alexandrovna mitya got up from his chair have faith in god and in me i am not guilty of my father's murder having uttered these words mitya sat down again on his chair grushenka stood up and crossed herself devoutly before the icon thanks be to thee o lord she said in a voice thrilled with emotion and still standing she turned to nikolai parfenovitch and added as he has spoken now believe it i know him he'll say anything as a joke or from obstinacy but he'll never deceive you against his conscience he's telling the whole truth you may believe it 
thanks agraphena alexandrovna you've given me fresh courage mitya responded in a quivering voice as to the money spent the previous day she declared that she did not know what sum it was but had heard him tell several people that he had three thousand with him and to the question where he got the money she said that he had told her that he had stolen it from katerina ivanovna and that she had replied to that that he hadn't stolen it and that he must pay the money back next day on the prosecutor's asking her emphatically whether the money he said he had stolen from katerina ivanovna was what he had spent yesterday or what he had squandered here a month ago she declared that he meant the money spent a month ago and that that was how she understood him grushenka was at last released and nikolai parfenovitch informed her impulsively that she might at once return to the town and that if he could be of any assistance to her with horses for example or if she would care for an escort he would be i thank you sincerely said grushenka bowing to him i'm going with this old gentleman i am driving him back to town with me and meanwhile if you'll allow me i'll wait below to hear what you decide about dmitri fyodorovitch she went out mitya was calm and even looked more cheerful but only for a moment he felt more and more oppressed by a strange physical weakness his eyes were closing with fatigue the examination of the witnesses was at last over they proceeded to a final revision of the protocol mitya got up moved from his chair to the corner by the curtain lay down on a large chest covered with a rug and instantly fell asleep he had a strange dream utterly out of keeping with the place and the time he was driving somewhere in the steppes where he had been stationed long ago and a peasant was driving him in a cart with a pair of horses through snow and sleet he was cold it was early in november and the snow was falling in big wet flakes melting as soon as it touched the earth and the peasant drove him smartly he had a fair long beard he was not an old man somewhere about fifty and he had on a grey peasant's smock not far off was a village he could see the black huts and half the huts were burnt down there were only the charred beams sticking up and as they drove in there were peasant women drawn up along the road a lot of women a whole row all thin and wan with their faces a sort of brownish colour especially one at the edge a tall bony woman who looked forty but might have been only twenty with a long thin face and in her arms was a little baby crying and her breasts seemed so dried up that there was not a drop of milk in them and the child cried and cried and held out its little bare arms with its little fists blue from cold why are they crying why are they crying mitya asked as they dashed gaily by it's the babe answered the driver the babe weeping and mitya was struck by his saying in his peasant way the babe and he liked the peasants calling it a babe there seemed more pity in it but why is it weeping 
mitya persisted stupidly why are its little arms bare why don't they wrap it up the babe's cold its little clothes are frozen and don't warm it but why is it why foolish mitya still persisted why they're poor people burnt out they've no bread they're begging because they've been burnt out no no mitya as it were still did not understand tell me why is it those poor mothers stand there why are people poor why is the babe poor why is the steppe barren why don't they hug each other and kiss why don't they sing songs of joy why are they so dark from black misery why don't they feed the babe and he felt that though his questions were unreasonable and senseless yet he wanted to ask just that and he had to ask it just in that way and he felt that a passion of pity such as he had never known before was rising in his heart that he wanted to cry that he wanted to do something for them all so that the babe should weep no more so that the dark-faced dried-up mother should not weep that no one should shed tears again from that moment and he wanted to do it at once at once regardless of all obstacles with all the recklessness of the karamazovs and i'm coming with you i won't leave you now for the rest of my life i'm coming with you he heard close beside him grushenka's tender voice thrilling with emotion and his heart glowed and he struggled forward towards the light and he longed to live to live to go on and on towards the new beckoning light and to hasten hasten now at once what where he exclaimed opening his eyes and sitting up on the chest as though he had revived from a swoon smiling brightly Nikolai Parfenovitch was standing over him, suggesting that he should hear the protocol read aloud and sign it. Mitya guessed that he had been asleep an hour or more, but he did not hear Nikolai Parfenovitch. He was suddenly struck by the fact that there was a pillow under his head, which hadn't been there when he had leant back, exhausted on the chest. "'Who put that pillow under my head? Who was so kind?' he cried with a sort of ecstatic gratitude and tears in his voice as though some great kindness had been shown him he never found out who this kind man was perhaps one of the peasant witnesses or nikolai parfenovitch's little secretary had compassionately thought to put a pillow under his head but his whole soul was quivering with tears he went to the table and said that he would sign whatever they liked i've had a good dream gentlemen he said in a strange voice with a new light as of joy in his face End of section sixty one